welcome to the second episode of our brand new Pearson podcast, Speaking Your Language. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you, where I catch up with two wonderful former A-level students of mine who have gone on to study languages at Exeter University, Matt Button and George Meat. They are such brilliant role models, and I would encourage you to play some clips for any students you want to inspire to take their language learning further. There are certain real gems in here. George says that languages prove that we're all the same. We're all just people. It's comforting. There is nothing to be scared of. And Matt tells me that speaking other languages is one of the most useful skills that you can have. I promise it will make you want to do your year abroad all over again and go back to university and study languages if you had that opportunity. So put the kettle on, sit back, relax and enjoy. I am delighted to welcome two special guests to today's episode, Matt Button and George Meach. They studied A-level Spanish with me and got A-star for both French and Spanish in 2019. They are both currently in their fourth year at Exeter University studying languages and have been studying not two but three languages during their course, French, Spanish and German. Their A-level class were my dream team, one of the loveliest groups I have ever taught and there have been so many over two decades. I am not embarrassed to admit that I cried tears of joy when I got their results as all eight students had completely smashed it regardless of their original starting point and predicted grades. They were also the class who went on a six-form Spanish road trip with me and a French colleague, Mr. Bazak, in 2018 to Andalusia, which was also a pleasure. So I'll start with my first question. I'm going to ask both George and Matt the same questions, um, see how their, how their answers vary. So the first question I was going to ask you both is who or what inspired you to study languages for A-level and then at university? So George, I'll come to you first. Well, I think the, the reason I wanted to study languages to start off with was because in my mind, it was like knowing a secret language almost. And I quite enjoyed the idea of being able to, you know, speak to other people and maybe the other people around me couldn't understand. Um, but then honestly, after taking it at, at, at GCSE, I, I, I honestly think it was the teachers who made it something that it was enjoyable for me. And one of the lessons that I actually look forward to and then, yeah, I think it's just developed from there. So I know it's a bit cheesy, but I would say genuinely my teachers. Oh, and I like the idea of the secret code because it is, isn't it? It affects, it's like a superpower that you can you can talk another language. Um, and how about you, Matt? Who or what was your inspiration for studying languages? Uh, yeah, so I think partly the same thing, definitely the teachers. I think I sort of had a few subjects that I was interested in, in sort of pre-GCSE area like I was also pretty into sort of computing and geography but I think the the shift to languages just happened quite naturally I think I slowly realized this is something I'm good at and this is something that I really enjoy and so for me there was sort of never any doubt in my mind that I wanted to take them for a level uh, along with geography and then when it came to sort of looking at university it, there was then sort of no doubt either that I, I yeah languages were the thing I wanted to continue studying so you kind of it narrowed itself down and then it was always going to be languages. I'll just ask you the next question, Matt, as well then. So thinking about when you studied languages at school, what were the best things and, and what were the challenges of studying languages at school? Uh, well, I think for me, I think I'm potentially in the minority in that I really enjoy learning about grammar. 
I think it's it's sort of seen as something quite uh, scary and also often boring by people, but I actually think it's something really fascinating. And uh, just at the start, when you're learning a language and you slowly learn how to sort of put sentences together, I just always found that really interesting, which is why I always like going on Duolingo and like picking up a language and just learning how to say a few basic things. But then I think in terms of challenges, obviously when you're at school, you have it's it's a larger class size so i think you you sometimes feel like you know your one to one sort of time is obviously much less but then equally in in our school we were sort of blessed with having a, a native speaker that we could just go talk to in pairs or even just one on one for a half an hour to an hour a week and i think that was something that i really appreciated and i think really benefited me in terms of my speaking because it's sort of not an opportunity that a lot of people had. And I think we were really, really lucky to have that. Yeah, we definitely, we definitely were lucky, weren't we, to have that in, in both languages. And how about you, um, George? What did you think? You've mentioned some things already, but the best things about learning languages at school and then what were the challenges? Again, I'm going to have to go with Matt. I feel like I'm a bit of a, a language nerd for this. I really enjoyed learning grammar at school. French was the language that I started learning first and then started learning Spanish at secondary school and realized, oh, hang on, the kind of structures are the same and lots is quite similar. And I like seeing those similarities between the languages. In terms of other things at school that I remember, um, I remember one kind of infamous day where we were introduced to the French song Papaute by Stromae in class. I think that was before GCSE, actually. That kind of idea that you, uh, we were showed a different, a different world almost, that there is more to just, there is more than just English language media out there. And through A-Level as well, we got loads of great recommendations for movies and um, TV series and music. And I still listen to a lot of the same music that I was introduced to at A-Level. A couple of French bands, I Am being one particular band that I really still like to listen to. So yeah, I, I honestly think it was that. It's the being introduced to new media new music new films and things like that and then being able to access them and understand them because of the language you're learning and and challenges any any tricky bits that you remember thinking oh my goodness that was hard i do remember being quite nervous for oral exams which i think is what a lot of people are scared of when learning a language the most definitely the sort of the atmosphere of oh we're being recorded here and you know you have to say everything correctly and pronounce things properly but looking back on it I think it probably wasn't as big of a challenge that I thought it was um, it just at the time it felt like this momentous occasion uh, to do an oral exam yeah what's your top tips then how should kids cope with their speaking exam any any little nuggets of how to cope what I found really useful at the time was almost learning little set phrases but almost just learning the sounds of them if that makes sense learning how to roll them off the tongue really easily so you can not think for a while if that makes sense so you can roll something off the tongue and then start talking about something else and what i found useful recently as well is um just talking out loud to yourself i quite often find that i'm just talking to myself in my room or perhaps more embarrassingly, talking to myself when I'm walking down the street. Um, and I have to stop myself sometimes because I realise it sounds weird. But yeah, I genuinely think talking to yourself and getting used to the sounds and the shapes, yeah, that really, really helps. 
Yeah, you have to just get over the embarrassment factor, don't you, when you're learning languages. How about you, Matt? Any top tips for speaking exams, thinking back to GCSE and A-level maybe? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the the really useful things is just learning those tiny phrases, like learning how to um and ah in a different language is really good because actually you realise that in most other languages they don't go um, they might go, you know, in Spanish it's more like an a, eh, uh, and that sort of thing. And also just the little filler phrases that buy you some time, like, oh, let me think, ooh, that's a good question. Um, and then so you're actually, you know, showing that you know the language while actually just uh, getting yourself a little bit more time to think about sort of whatever your more developed response is. And then I think another thing is just sort of going with, this is something that they still tell us at, uni, at university and something that I think is a really good tip, which is trying to not translate as such, but trying to think with the phrases that you do know, um, especially for speaking exams where, you know, you're being asked about your opinion or something about you. And the examiner doesn't necessarily know if that's true you know if they're asking you about about your holiday if you can you know talk about a holiday based on the words that you do know rather than necessarily some really specific thing that happened then that's great and that shows that you can use the language very very good advice and slightly different take best memories then of visiting another country when you were younger George have you got any memories I do yeah I think the one that sticks out to me was going camping in a small town in the south of France called Andus. My dad, he used to go there with his parents um, back when he was younger. And it's a very, very typical French town. It's exactly what you think of when you think of a French town. So I, I think that was my first um, sort of exposure to actual French culture and not just sort of the stereotypical French culture that perhaps you get when you're over here in the UK. Um, so, yeah, that was, I, I still look back on that holiday with a lot of fondness. That sounds fantastic. And Matt, how about you? Have you got any memories of visiting another country? Uh, yeah, I think mine would actually be camping as well, but in um, in some mountains. I think it was in Umbria in Italy. Uh, and I was, I was quite young and I remember meeting, um, it was just another family of um, some Dutch children who were also on holiday there. And I just remember getting along with them really well. And I found it really interesting. I think it was sort of my first experience of sort of bilingualism because these Dutch kids could speak perfect English. And I just thought, wow, that's really, really cool. I want to be able to do that. And they taught me a little bit of Dutch, you know, I'm not sure if I can remember it now, but I could count from one to 10 and I could say chocolate and sweets and that sort of thing. But I just remember it as a really cool experience where I thought that's amazing that they come from a completely different country to me, but they can just speak my language and there's no barrier at all here. And it sort of, yeah, maybe sort of started me off on my language journey a little bit. It's quite inspirational then to meet, you know, as a child, to meet somebody who speaks other languages and you think, wow, gosh, that's, I would like to do that. We took our children actually to, to France on holiday a similar kind of thing and they made loads of Dutch friends and I think when we got home they'd learn more Dutch than French which seemed kind of <laughs> ironic but you know so yeah the, the, uh, we've obviously talked a little bit about what it's like studying languages at school and you're both you know well on the path to studying languages at uni you're in your final year now now obviously there'll be some, some similarities to school some things but there'll be differences so how about you Matt what what's it like studying languages at uni I'm sure there's, there's lots and lots of good bits and, you know, are there any challenges and what are those? 
Yeah, so I think it's it's a really amazing environment to be in because you're able to really sort of push yourself as far as you want because you know you're surrounded by these academics with like a pretty vast array of knowledge. And I think what I like is being able to sort of find what you really enjoy and specialize into that. So even within the realm of languages, I think um, I've sort of discovered that I'm maybe not so much a fan of um, the literature and the visual culture side, but the benefit of Exeter is it's got a really good sort of modular system. And I've actually gone a bit more down the sort of scientific language route. So a lot of linguistics. Uh, next term, I've got a module on advanced translation, which I'm really looking forward to. And so I think that's been really, really fun for me because I've sort of not only am I learning languages, but in the sort of things that you study alongside them that are sort of gateways to understanding, you get to also find what you really enjoy and find what you really love and like deepen that, I suppose. And then in terms of challenges, it's obviously, it's a, like a, a double-edged sword, I suppose, in terms of it's this really amazing environment where you're pushed really hard but that does also mean you've got more work, you know. There's a big emphasis on independent work in humanities, so you do a lot of reading yourself. And I think it's it's kind of a kind of a positive and a negative at the same time that with languages, you know, there is no sort of full definition of fluency or in terms of you can never you can never be done, which I sort of like um, in a way, because it means that there you can always read an article and I'll find a word that I've never seen before and think, oh, I have no idea what that means. And it's so it's all it means there's always work to do, but it's always really interesting. It's the definition of lifelong learning, isn't it? I've definitely it's been my life's work learning languages, that's for sure. It never stops. Well, if you're doing scientific language, you'll definitely be very employable. That sounds very sensible. <laughs> Being it that's the thing, a lot of jobs, you know, that are available, they kind of say, Oh, you know, we want these engineers and we want scientists, and you know, you just happen to be fluent in, you know, X number of languages. So that's kind of the dream, isn't it? And how about you, George? What what's it what's it like studying languages at uni? Again, much like Matt, I've found areas of language that I didn't really know existed before. So much like Matt looking into linguistics and um, historical linguistics as well, I've really enjoyed. And as well as that, just the, the, the base language learning, which makes it sound boring, but the weekly tasks we have, I actually really enjoy. So um, every week we get a text to translate either into or out of one of our target languages. And I, I sort of treat it like I don't know, like a bit of a puzzle that you can go back to, almost like a crossword or something. We sort of revisited over the week and tweaked that bit and changed that bit. And I, I just, I genuinely really enjoy that process of making something that at the end, you've got a text written in English or, or one of your languages that you're genuinely quite proud of and quite happy with. Because although you've taken a text and translated it, so the ideas aren't your own, but the structure and the format and the words you've chosen are your own. And it's it's a really nice feeling when you when you manage to complete one of those and then in terms of challenges i think if you're comparing it to a, a different degree i think possibly language degrees might be a little more um sort of interactive and intense almost in the seminars just due to the fact that we have to practice speaking um so you can't really get away with maybe having a lazy day and not really um, engaging much because it just doesn't work. So the actual um, sort of oral classes can be a little bit daunting when you start, but once you get into it, yeah, it just feels like you're getting a degree in chatting almost, which is great. <laughs>
Well, there's nowhere to hide, is there? If you rock up after a heavy no. night the night before, there's no getting away with that, is there, in a small language group where you're all expected to speak? So think, we're going to think a, a little bit now about the year abroad. So obviously, it's a big selling point, isn't it, of doing a languages degree that you get to have a year abroad, which I think is what makes it so unique and is obviously so essential to getting that fluency and all, all of those cultural skills that, you know, just come to life. So, Matt, you you spent your year abroad um, in Mulhouse as an assistant in France and then did a short language course in, in Valencia as well. So um, just tell us a little bit about what that was like. I know it's hard to probably sum up, it's, but just a few of, a few of the highlights. Yeah, definitely. No, it, it was a really amazing experience. I think especially teaching for, it was seven months in France. I was um, an English language assistant for, and I it was amazing for my French. Uh, one of the schools I was teaching in was sort of, I think, about 14-year-olds. And so their level of French was not sort of good enough for me to, sorry, their level of English was not good enough for me to speak in uh, English to them the whole time. So I would give my lessons in French, which was very much sort of a baptism of fire type thing. Uh, and I really had to, you know, get good at that very quickly. But then, no, it was really nice. And I actually found it's you, you sometimes have this idea when going abroad that uh, everyone sort of will laugh at you when you try to speak the language um, or that, you know, they won't be too friendly. But actually, I found that when I was speaking French and then Spanish in Valencia to people on the street, they were just the most lovely people. And when they noticed that you were not a native speaker, but, you know, were really trying, they would give you so much back and I just found it really lovely to have so many tiny interactions like uh you know just an interaction on the on the tram where someone would ask me where I got my face mask from or in in the supermarket people would ask me I think apparently I have the look of a British person about me because I would get asked uh where do you find the Worcestershire sauce which is also very fun hearing people try and pronounce that but no, I just uh, overall, I had a, a really amazing time in, in France and in Spain. And I think um, it was sort of a testament to how much my French had improved that when I got to Spain and started trying to speak Spanish, I thought, oh, my God, um, I've forgotten all of it. <laughs> it's, it. I think people just really appreciate the effort, don't they? I think, you know, especially I remember in Spain having lots of experiences of that where people were so delighted and you worry so much about mistakes and yet they're actually just really pleased that you're that you're having a go and how about you George so you spent your year abroad in Austria and in Malaga so another a, a German Spanish combo um tell me a bit about what that was like for you uh, so like Matt I was teaching with the British Council um I was teaching in a technical secondary school um so a lot of what I was assisting with was quite quite technical. Um, they were teaching engineering and design and things like this. And I was just struck by how brilliant the students were and how amazing their level of English was. And again, it felt like I was being paid to go and chat to people, which was really nice. And it makes you think a lot about your own language as well when you're teaching it and you realise that perhaps I've got more theoretical knowledge about French, Spanish and German, then I do English, which was really interesting to have to learn about my own language in sort of from an outside perspective, uh, which I found really interesting. And then in terms of just the whole, the general experience, what I think was my favourite thing was just meeting people from all over the world. It was amazing. It, um, I think on 
one of my first nights in Innsbruck, I met up with an Erasmus group um, from the local university. And there were people from Argentina, Israel, Russia, um, Japan, Spain. It was just a really interesting way of meeting people and um, learning about different cultures as well, not just the culture that I was in, but having the opportunity to practice a little bit of my Spanish whilst I was in Austria. And yeah, I think that was probably one of my favorite parts um, about the year abroad. Something else that I would say I noticed as well was that we were sort of prepped to expect, oh, when you go abroad, you know, the culture can be very different and they do things differently and you might be shocked or confused. Um, but actually what I found was while there were those differences and they were quite obvious, those differences, underneath that was sort of a, a similarity to our own culture and how I, I came back from the year abroad really thinking kind of, we're, we're all the same, really. Although we speak different languages and we live in different places and different cultures, at the end of it all, we're, we're all just people. And it was quite comforting, actually, to know that wherever you go, it's, you know, it's just people. Um, it's nothing to be scared of. So now, honestly, I, I, I feel like I could do anything almost after a year abroad. I feel like ugh, nothing can be as daunting or as difficult as that. So, yeah, I, it's really helped me, not just linguistically, but just in life, I think, general life skills. No, that's true. Gosh, you, we, that was practically a definition of global outlook. Wow. All these, <laughs> you know, so many international people. And, and, you know, that's what you're really trying to get across to kids in a classroom. You know, this idea that it's lovely what you said, you know, there's more that actually unifies us and joins us than separates us, really. I mean, deep down, we're, we're all people. And that's exactly what you're trying to get across, which is quite hard sometimes in a classroom. But when you go abroad and you have that experience, that's that's fantastic that kind of seamlessly moves me on actually to thinking about year nine students so you know you, I'm sure you'll be aware that um you're like some kind of exotic species of prize butterfly you know not just dual linguists are hard enough to create now but you know people doing you know triple linguists is, is really something um and and generally I suppose we do have a challenge in this country that that's a fact of you know having enough students taking languages now at, G at GCC so if you, if you had students that that you met who were in year nine and you know they're pretty good at languages but they were maybe not sure and they might need a bit of convincing I mean I think you've already presented a lot of compelling arguments but what would be the main thing that you would say to them do you think Matt to convince them that it's it's worth pursuing a GCSE in a language? Well, yeah, obviously, I suppose I'm a little biased on this, but I just think it's one of the most useful skills you can have, especially for looking at jobs. But I just think languages covers such a broad sort of spectrum. And I mean, what we do as part of our degree is basically a load of other things that people do in a load of other degrees, but in another language. Um, <laughs> so things like translation, the sort of more scientific side, and you can do literature and you do some of those things in, in A-levels. Um, and I just think it's it's a really useful thing that you can have. And people are always amazed by how much they remember from GCSE. When we have conversations with people who didn't take languages further than GCSE uh, and we end up talking about, you know, whatever we're doing, people are genuinely really sort of impressively good at remembering everything that they learned at GCSE. So it is something that kind of sticks with you. It's not like another GCSE where you'll maybe do it and then it'll be something that you sort of don't use down the line. And 
you know, so you just lose it. I think it is something that's really a good skill to have for life. And then it also sets you up for if you do want to take those languages further at any point in your life. And I think it is it is harder potentially to pursue it when you're older. You know, you get some students saying, oh, well, I'll, I'll do it later. And, you know, adults do. But this is the time, isn't it? I think when you're younger, it's just much it's much easier really to, to do that. How about you, George? Anything to add to that? What would how would you convince a reluctant year nine that they should be doing a language GCSE? I, th- I think I would sort of echo what Matt was saying there in that it's GCSE is, is the perfect time, I think, to to start learning a language because it really does the GCSE syllabus really does give you a very solid base in the language and a lot of the stuff that we use every day at university is stuff we will have learned at GCSE so it's more in depth um, than it might appear I think and yeah I think it gives you that opportunity to then take them further if you wanted to Obviously, there will be other opportunities further on in, in education to learn a language, but I'm really happy that I decided to do two languages at GCC and A-level, because what that has meant is that I was able to try a third at university. So, and I would also say that it it gets easier. The more you learn about language in general, the easier it is to start another one. So a good example of that is we all usually learn French at primary school or, or um, in the year seven and then maybe pick up Spanish and you go, oh, well, I understand how this tense works in French. So sort of works the same in Spanish or even when I started to learn German in first year of university, I didn't need to learn what a tense was or what the preterite meant or things like these. They're, it's a very once you have that framework, you can apply it to lots of different areas. And I think as well, more generally, not even just in languages, once you have the framework of being able to sort of pick something apart, break it down and learn it bit by bit, it's really applicable in in whatever subject you're studying. So I think it, as well as giving you the skill itself, speaking Spanish, it also gives you a good grasp on how to learn in general, I think, mm-hmm. um, which is always useful. Thinking then, you, I know you're both working really hard at the moment. I, I think the final final year is there's a, there's a lot to pack in, isn't there? But thinking then, when you're finished your finals this, you know, the summer, what are you planning on doing, George? Have you got any plans to look forward to? I don't have any specific plans, but what I would really like to do is just spend a bit more time in my own country. To be honest, um, I think. I've travelled an awful lot over the past year and I was in France, I was in Spain, I was in Austria, Germany, and it makes you appreciate what you miss sometimes as well. And it's been nice to have that outlook on the UK to actually go, you know what, actually, it's quite a nice place. And I think often people think you have to, you know, travel or, or go all over the world to do anything interesting, but it has really made me appreciate both traveling and staying put as well so I think honestly I think I'm going to stay put for a little bit and just relax a little bit and enjoy being at home for a while I think. What did you miss most about the UK then George what was the the main thing? Oh that's a good one Um, I will probably have to say good tea Um, (laughs) whenever I I came home for Christmas halfway through my year abroad and I got two boxes of 100 tea bags and took them back with me to Austria, pack them into my suitcase like I was smuggling them. I think it's just those little things that every country and every culture will have something that's just sort of quite 
homey and we just do it quite well so yeah I think it was the tea honestly <laughs> and the funny thing about that is my goodness that doesn't seem to have changed I feel like Germany and Spain which were my two main languages you know got much better at tea but when I went abroad which was about a billion years ago I did exactly the same I just had tea bags <laughs> upon tea bags it's obviously that has not changed and how about you Matt what plans have you got when you finish your finals you've got it all past behind you have you got something to look forward to this summer or any other plans yeah well I'm sort of again not sure what I want to do long term again the beauty of languages is that you sort of have so many options available to you having done that so I think longer term I'm potentially looking down like the computational linguistics route which is going into things like machine translators like Google Translate, but also it's down to just small things like autocorrect on your phone and how that works. So how that guesses what you want to say next. But I think for the meantime, I would definitely like to relax a bit. Yeah, I think final year is definitely going to be a lot of work. But then um, I really just enjoy traveling so much. And I think one of my next goals is potentially to learn another language. So the the plan may just be to sort of pack up my life into a suitcase again and just go live somewhere else for a little bit. Uh, it could be Europe. It could be outside Europe. I, I'm not really sure. Wow. And that, that brings me on to that's one of my final questions. I've only got a couple more questions. And one of them was actually if you could learn any other language, bearing in mind you've already learned three, um, which one would it be then, Matt? Yeah, well, I think um, I want to just keep sort of going for progressively more obscure or harder languages to learn, essentially, because that was what was really fun about German, you know, as it's uh, not a romance language like French or Spanish. It was, you know, different in a lot of ways, especially sort of syntax along with its sort of vocabulary. And so I found that really fascinating, learning something that really was quite different. And so I think next time I'd sort of like to do that again and take it a step further. So potentially um, Japanese is a really interesting one. Mandarin as well. Well, not as well. Definitely not learning both, but uh, or potentially even Russian. I just think it would be really interesting to learn a language with a totally different alphabet or writing system and just totally different grammar, because I think it, it would be just a really fun experience and really challenging but something really rewarding were, were you I'm trying to remember if you were in school when we had that the Russian GCHQ person who came to talk to us and you did the Russian alphabet or had you gone by then because yes had some... no we did do that yeah so um I can still somewhat read the Cyrillic alphabet and um I'm a big fan of Duolingo and I've actually been learning Japanese for a little while so I can read two of their three alphabets, uh, the two easiest ones, but there we go. I'm sort of slowly plodding my way through actual phrases and vocabulary. Uh, it's just something pretty sort of interesting to do in my spare time. Yeah, it lets me kind of escape from my studies a little bit, but also still stay in the realm of languages. Um, You've burst my bubble now, Matt. Matt. I was I was kind of thinking, yeah, Japanese, that's really beautiful. Two out oh my oh my word, two out of three alphabets that you've learned. That maybe, maybe I will leave the delegate that to you, Matt, to learn Japanese. I think maybe I'm getting I'm getting a bit past it for that now. But I, yeah, I, I think that those are, you know, Mandarin, Japanese, Russian, wow. I mean, any one of those would be incredibly useful. How about you, George? If you could pick another language, which one would it be if you ever had time in your life? I think the pragmatic choice nowadays would probably be Mandarin. 
just because of the way that the world is going and how international business is going, I think that would be a very, very useful thing to learn. But in terms of what I fancy having a crack at, I quite like to have a go at Russian, to be honest. I originally was planning to start Russian in university, but I swapped last minute to German. And I think, honestly, it was a good choice to make because I had a great year abroad and I'm very happy with with where my German is now. Um, but like Matt was saying, I think it would be interesting to sort of step up the difficulty level and have a go at Russian again. A bit like Matt, I, I've, I taught myself a while ago the Cyrillic alphabet because my dad did um, Russian at some point. So he helped me with that. And once you've got past that initial hurdle, it feels a little less daunting, I think. So if I had the time, I think I'd um, have a crack at Russian and see how far I could get with that. I am super impressed. This is a random question, just as we're coming to the end. Um, best meal that you have ever eaten in another country or from another country? What do you think, Matt? I think for me, that would have to be um, when I got vegetarian currywurst in Freiburg, because I'm a vegetarian and I was in Alsace, in well, Malouz in Alsace, which is sort of famous for being one of the meat eating regions of France especially with its proximity to Germany. So over the course of the year, it was quite sort of difficult navigating that, especially as it's such a big part of the culture. But then it was really strange because although you have, you know, the general European model of such sort of free borders, it was really strange because you would struggle a bit to find vegetarian food in France. But then as soon as you crossed the border into Germany and went to Freiburg, there was just so much choice available in terms of veggie options. And so I remember seeing, it was just this food truck that did tofu currywurst. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, this is this is made for me. <laughs> that is impressive. I have never had tofu currywurst and now I feel like I have to have it. How about you, George? What was what's your most memorable meal or the best meal you've eaten in another country or from another country? When I was in Austria, it was it's quite it's the stereotypical Austrian choice, but a schnitzel or a schnitzel semmel, which is the the bread roll with schnitzel and tomatoes and lettuce, and it was sort of my my guilty pleasure, my kind of snack that I'd go to after maybe a long day at work. I'd stop off at a little bakery on the way home and get one of those. And then when I went to Vienna a couple of times, they have the famous Kaiserschmarrn places and. Essentially, for anyone who doesn't know, that's just sort of a, a ripped up pancake almost. But it's done in such a way that it's just, I wish they did it in the UK. I think maybe I'll introduce it and make a lot of money. Yes, one of those little food trucks. I mean, Germany has such a range of food. I don't think people really realise. I mean, my, I remember living in Berlin and eating Fladenport, you know, which was all that amazing Turkish food and eating it in Freiburg actually as well. So many delicious foods out there to eat and in Spain as well. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you both. And I think really what you've said is, is so inspirational and you're such role models. I'm hoping that teachers listening will maybe be able to play some parts of this to those reluctant year nines, those, those GCC students who need a bit of a pep talk. I think they'll find it really useful. So thank you so much for your time. I hope you enjoyed listening to Matt and George as much as I loved hearing about all of their language learning adventures. Thank you for listening and look out for the next episode of Speaking Your Language soon. Tschüss!